Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today's episode with Kelly Levesque is a long one, but definitely listen through because the end gets super fascinating, super sciencey, and we get into all things blood sugar and how specific foods affect our bodies, which a lot of you guys asked about prior to this recording, which was actually a while back. It was when I was in New York, so maybe like six weeks ago. So Kelly is a holistic nutritionist. She's a wellness expert. She's a celebrity health coach. She's based here in LA and she's the founder of Be Well. So Be Well grew out of Kelly's lifelong passion for health, the science of nutrition and overall wellness guided by a practical and always optimistic approach, which I love. Kelly helps clients improve their health, achieve their goals, and develop sustainable habits to live a healthy and balanced life. She has a fascinating journey from majoring in business and undergrad to working in the medical field for Fortune 500 companies and doing tumor gene mapping and molecular subtyping with oncologists to then getting a postgrad degree in clinical nutrition. And we talk a lot about the education process and kind of about her struggle to validate herself in this community since she didn't get an MD or an RD, which I was fascinated by since I'm exploring my own degree options now. But anyway, she's super smart and this episode is fascinating when it comes to all things wellness. We cover everything from how our emotions affect our health to her food philosophy and how to eat healthily and live a balanced lifestyle without white knuckling it and restricting. And then, as I mentioned before, we go way into blood sugar in like the last third of the episode and talk all about satiety and sugar and sugar replacements and how to balance it all. So enjoy. All right. So welcome, Kelly. I'm so happy we're finally talking. We've been trying to do this for a while now. <laughs> I know. I, it's totally my fault. I mean, I've we've had some personal stuff going on with my husband's father and he's, you know, having some health issues, not COVID, but 
other health mm-hmm. issues, which is not a fun time to have health issues at all, be in a hospital or a nursing home or anything like that. So I've been a, a stay-at-home, single, full-time working mom and <laughs> deciding to launch multiple business platforms this year has been, it's been a little crazy to to schedule with people. So I just like really appreciate you oh, work, yeah. working with me to make of it work. <laughs> I am like... 2020, I'm like, I'm flexible. (laughs) Whenever works for you, like, and it's not just you, like so many people will last minute, you know, five minutes before a show, I've had to do it to guests last week, my Wi-Fi went out and I was like, I got to cancel like right before. And I'm just kind of like, you know, time right now (laughs) just doesn't really exist. And like, you know, things aren't as urgent as we think they are probably. So, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, so. Totally. So why don't we start off by just, you know, having you tell the audience like how you got into nutrition and I would love to hear kind of what your lifestyle was like throughout your life. If you were always interested in this, if you were always healthy or how that developed along with your interest. Yeah. So I'll just kind of go chronologically because that makes maybe the most sense. I grew up in Orange County, California. So if you ever watched the OC growing up, it's um, more like Laguna Hills or Laguna Beach or whatever. It's it's a beach community. It's suburbia. You know, my mom's mom and dad shopped at like Costco and Ralph's and healthy in our house was chicken, rice, broccoli, and like an iceberg salad with either the Italian dressing that you mix up with vegetable oil or like Hidden Valley Ranch. And, um, and that was sort of like the veggies on the plate. And I would say a lot of my childhood, I could really eat whatever I wanted. I mean, it was like goldfish, bagel bites, taquitos, like whatever was kind of coming home, like Pop-Tarts. There's always candy around. And it's kind of amazing to me because I really worked pretty hard with my family, with my parents specifically in like changing their habits and lifestyles. But, you know, habits, habits sometimes die hard. Like I'll go to their house and they still buy the the pink and white frosted animal cookies with sprinkles on it. And there are are no kids, there are no (laughs) kids in the house. And like, Bash is not getting those, you know what I mean? So um, there's a little bit of compromise that obviously happens at grandma and grandpa's house. But what's amazing is places like Costco where my parents shop now have Simple Mills crackers. And, you know, we can nitpick some of these healthy foods as like, oh, what oils are they using or what X, Y, and Z. But really it's just like trying to introduce my family to new things. I mean, my mom's had a Fab Four smoothie for probably like five or six years now. And she used to start her day with a can of red Coke. Like she wasn't even a, she wasn't even a coffee drinker, you know? So, wow. And it's, you, you just have to like, I really consider where nutrition information is coming from. You know, my dad will read a headline that he, he gets diagnosed with some pre-diabetic numbers, some elevated cholesterol and triglycerides, which comes with elevated blood sugar, you know, and her, his doctor says, Oh, Steve, I think you should take a, you know, uh, a Lipitor or a Crestor. And I think you should cut out the red meat. And I'm like, dad, we can turn these numbers around in five minutes. You stop eating like the frosted animal cookies and we pull back on the processed carbohydrates and sugar, all your liver will metabolize all of this. And a totally different way. You'll recycle old cholesterol. All these numbers will come down and it would take us probably like six weeks. Like we don't mm-hmm. need medication for this and we just need a lifestyle change. So what's cool is they have like started to come around, but that was my childhood. It was very much who I was. I was really active. I played soccer, club soccer. I had, um, I played in the United States and 
even like played a few tournaments abroad. And um, I went to USC for undergrad and my dad was a business major. I have 26 relatives who went there. It was sort of like a, you will go to USC. You're the oldest of three girls. Like I remember my dad specifically sitting me down um, at the Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory of all places. <laughs> he got a coffee and we were sitting outside of, and he was like, so I was like, you know, going into my junior year or whatever we have to devise a plan to get you into USC, you know? And it's like, he had always been pretty chill. And then he got like real serious me towards the time when we were applying for colleges. And it was not like, I mean, we went and saw other colleges, but in my head, I'm like, oh, that's where I have to go. Like my whole family went there. I have to do business finance like my dad. But if I really started to think about what I loved, like I read all the diet books. I I had subscriptions to like women's health and self and, shape. And, um, my favorite class in high school was health. My favorite class at USC was nature of human health and disease, um, which, you know, I wrote my final paper and thesis on diabetes. So if that mm-hmm. gives you an idea of like my obsession with blood sugar and when it started, it's funny because when I look back, I would read the South beach diet with my arm halfway in a container of goldfish. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I think it, get, I think it makes it it's interesting. I know that there are people who have these really healthy parents who get into health and nutrition because it, their mom's in, you know, a Reiki specialist or their dad is like a, a psychologist and understands how food affects the brain. Like, I don't know, you know, people have their, their ways of getting to it. I just like really loved the science. Um, mm-hmm. and I remember calling my dad in college in tears and being like, what am I doing? Like nature of human health and disease, this course, like I didn't even have to study. Like I read a sentence and it stuck. It makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I was always a math and science person. And if anyone's followed me for a long period of time, they know my, I'm continually working on my grammar and my spelling. (laughs) And, um, like five paragraph essays growing up were like, the death of me, but I could talk to you forever. I could do a geometry proof. I could balance your checkbook and I could talk to you about cells, hormones, and neurotransmitters all day long. So, <laughs> so it is an interesting, it's interesting because I think most men lean math and science and females lean like literature and grammar and, you know, but mm-hmm. I was the opposite. And so my dad sort of laughed on the call and was like, Kel, like you've been, you know, we've, we've supported you and you're lucky that your college is paid for, but like, I'm not going to pay for extra years for you to like go back and switch to pre-med or be an RD or go into kinesiology. Like you need to find a way to pair this with your business degree. This episode is sponsored by Nourish by Nature Made, the number one pharmacist recommended vitamin and supplement brand. Nourish offers a monthly subscription service that is both convenient and customizable to make sure you are getting the proper vitamin intake. Backed by 45 years of science, Nourish removes the guesswork from you trying to figure out what supplements are right for you. Nourish packages are personalized and delivered right to your door and their convenient subscription service can be adjusted, paused, or canceled at any time. Packs are customized to your needs and are affordable. On average, it costs less than $2 a day to get your Nourish vitamin intake. Visit Nourish.com to take a quick five-minute assessment and receive a supplement recommendation tailored specifically for you. 
Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, the creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. I ended up taking an internship at a pharmaceutical company like the summer after my junior year and sort of pairing that with, (laughs) I like worked in Nordstrom's shoe department actually to get like commission-based sales. (laughs) And then was like, here's my sales experience. Here's my pharmaceutical experience. Now let me get it, you know, let me in. Cause a lot of times when you go to apply for Johnson and Johnson, Eli Lilly, like any of the big biotech or pharmaceutical companies, you have to have sales experience. A lot of people Mm -hmm. get it in like, I don't know, they're selling, um, HR solutions or they work at like for a food company like Kraft or Gallo wines. Like, I think there were some pretty big, amazing companies that had some awesome sales programs, but I finagled my way into J and J and, and then ultimately realized it was basically like a bad episode or the bad, the movie love and other drugs. And I was like, this is depressing. I'm a glorified caterer. They could care less about me. And, um, I need to, get into a more specialized role so that I could have like really elevated conversations with physicians and be of a value add. So I just, I worked my way through pharmaceuticals that was only, I was doing that for about a year. And then I worked my way into cancer and genetics and it was an awesome education. I had a career in cancer and genetics for eight years. I led teams. I you know, covered the eight West Coast states at, at points where I was flying like four or five days a week and sitting in on surgeries, sitting in on tumor boards, which is basically like when people have cancer, their circle of care, their, you know, their doctors, all of their doctors, radiation oncologists, oncologists, surgeons, surgical oncologists, they all get together and they talk about the case. Like this is what the MRIs look like or the PET scans. This is how the tumor is responding to chemotherapy. These are the genetic tests. These are, and then you're kind of like a player in the room, but you're the, you're the person who understands the technology that they could be using to have more efficacious treatment because all of the stuff that comes out, you know, every year when studies are approved and when, um, new technology is available, these doctors didn't learn it in residency and fellowship and in undergrad, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, they have to, they have to rely on, specialty reps to support them in that process. And so it was really fun. Like I could have been in that career forever, but you know, every, I don't know, couple months, six weeks, couple months, I would look into, I would look into schools or programs to go back to school for nutrition. And it's a really uh, interesting space because you could go back and become a registered dietitian. And I don't think a lot of people realize that that was started by Seventh Aventus, which is like a primarily vegetarian vegan based community so a lot of a lot of the studies a lot of the teachings people come out like very plant based and mm-hmm. um and that's totally fine but it's also like a little some of the research depending on the school and some of the even like the books and you know you have to rely on publishers to keep information up to date things like that i was just a little disappointed and only because when you think about the career that I was in, like I was talking about studies that were coming out like two days prior, two weeks prior, two months prior, you know, I was just so 
much more, it was, if you think about like what they call like the sales cycle of like early adopters and late adopters, like on average, it takes a, it takes physicians who are practicing 18 years from when research comes out till they start, till they start actually using it in their practice. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it was an interesting thing for me. And it's something that I, you know, when I've had candid conversations on podcasts before, but it, it's something that I love and respect so many of the physicians and MDs that I work with that I interview on my podcast. Um, it's definitely been something that society tells you, like if you don't have letters behind your name, then you haven't, you know, that you're not worthy or that you're not an expert. And, um, mm-hmm. and so it was something that I personally had to get over and I can like for the life of my career, like literally I've gone back to school again and again and again and again and think like, I need another certification. Like people would laugh at the certifications that I have. Like I'm like mm-hmm. 200 hours in yoga, like certified personal trainer, Equinox Academy, like all these things that I don't use that I'm like, but I need to have that, <laughs> you know? So, um, Wait, so can I, what did you end up majoring in in undergrad? Did you major was, in business? That was business finance um, okay. and nature of human health and disease. So I ended up Got like it. getting some more science under my belt and then mm-hmm. um, spending really, it was like on the ground education, um, with learning how to read PubMed research articles and studies, Mm -hmm. looking for study design, P values, really understanding like, you know, is this, is, is one of the authors of this study being paid? Is this a bias study, you know, like as a community based, is it, you know, double blind? I mean, there's so many things to look at when, you get a headline that comes out in USA Today that's like, coconut oil is going to kill you. And you're like, right. all right. Like, it takes me five minutes to pull up the study and be like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> you know, like this journalist, like, okay, headline, good for you. <laughs> like, what are some of, what are some of the most outrageous published claims that you can think of off the top of your head? Well, it's, it's, it's funny because there are so many published claims that you're like, okay, this is, this is an over-exaggeration or this is like completely wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and you look at like the FDA and you look at, you look at the recommendations that are made through associations like the American Heart Association or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and you look at the studies that support those claims and recommendations. And sometimes they are just built on straw houses. Like it's so disappointing. And I just, unfortunately what it's the dissemination of information to the people making recommendations that really scares me. Like for example, my brother-in-law, you know, he is around my age and he, my sister sent me his blood test yesterday and it's like, okay, some elevated cholesterol, some elevated LDL and some elevated liver enzymes. And I look at that and she's like, his doctor just said he needs to do cardio and stop eating red meat. And the fact that like red meat right there, like that, that recommendation is being made and I get those blood tests and look, and I see the cholesterol ratio is totally normal Mm -hmm. in the healthy range, which means that there's no chance that he's going to, you know, that, that, first of all, it's just like no indication of inflammation or like poor, a poor ratio is what we look for when they're, when you have a real issue, he's not calling for particle size at all. He's looking at like top level general blood tests, not actually looking at cardiovascular markers that would indicate any type of real disease and making food recommendations that even the FDA in the last couple of years have said, 
saturated fat and red meat, well, saturated fat specifically is like a nutrient of no concern. And, you know, and when we look at cholesterol, it's like someone can change the cholesterol that they're eating and it won't even change their blood tests. Like at the max, it would ever change anyone's blood test is about 8%. And, you know, like the, all the recommendations for the medications like Lipitor, Crestor, and all these are not even changing, you know, like they're, they're maybe changing at the same amount. And it's not even, those are proving to be more harm than good in regards to like predisposing people to neurodegenerative diseases and like restricting cholesterol to the brain, which is like, you know, really anti-aging and anti-inflammatory and like a, a solid nutrient that we need. So, you know, I worry because I'm like, okay, his doctor probably graduated school 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And he has so many patients and he has poor reimbursement and he's probably not making what he thought he'd be making. And his, you know, he's just seeing patient after patient after patient and making these like two minute recommendations. Mm-hmm. And people are, you're like, my doctor said, and it's like, right. You know, that's just, that for, me, that for me is hard because I'm like, Kate, elevated liver enzymes. I'm curious, like about the things that are metabolized in his liver. Is he taking a lot of over counter counter medications, Advil, you know, anything like that? Is he, are you guys drinking a lot? I mean, it's COVID, you know, and she's like, you know, we're drinking wine, we're drinking wine. You know, they have a six month old. I'm like, okay, like you're barely getting sleep. You're drinking wine. You guys aren't working out like you used to. Is there more carbohydrates and sugar happening? Like, is there more fructose happening in general? Like you're metabolizing that in your liver. Like I look at that and I go, he's, his liver is probably like doing a lot of work on things that, you know, we need to just like give his liver a little bit of a break so that we can recycle some old cholesterol and bring that number down naturally. So let's up his, his fiber. Let's get him like, there's some awesome studies on psyllium husk powder. And I like, you know, I think you can get it for like 10 bucks from now foods on Amazon. It's a totally reputable company that has amazing quality control. They have a pharmaceutical grade testing. So you throw like a tablespoon or two of that in his fab four smoothie or, <laughs> and then like, pull back on the wine a little bit. And like, if you guys are drinking a lot of wine, like invest in a cleaner wine, that's not using added fructose and, you know, like maybe shrink his hours, have him eat dinner a little bit earlier so he can like do a little bit of this good work when he sleeps. This is, you know, it doesn't need to be rocket science, but we can like turn these numbers around in six weeks. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's bio-individuality where like, I, you know, everyone has a little bit of a different case. And I think that that's so interesting, but it is frustrating when people make blanket claims off of incomplete information and they're not even really looking at the blood test right. But, you know, on average, most doctors even graduating today are getting 19 hours of nutrition in 14 years of school. Crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but all I want for the holidays this year is some peace and quiet, serenity, some good sleep, you know, not asking for much here, right? I mean, seriously, this year has been a lot, but it's almost over and I think we're all just needing some tranquility. So Ned CBD is here to save the day. 
Whether you're feeling overwhelmed or you want to give someone the gift of peace, they have such an amazing range of products to try out. So I love the full spectrum CBD. I've been sharing about it for a while. It's the only CBD I will use given my history, my sobriety, and I'm 100% comfortable with this given their transparency and the fact that they use the absolute highest quality CBD and extraction process. I also love their sleep oil. Whenever I have an issue with insomnia or waking up at like 4 a.m., which is my thing when I'm stressed, this does the trick and I sleep like a baby. So they also have a complete line for women specifically geared at hormone balance and natural management of PMS symptoms, which is amazing. They have an energy roll-on that I love. They have lotion for sore muscles. It's all great. So Ned, as I mentioned, uses the highest quality CBD from an independent farm in Colorado. They are science-backed and naturally sourced, and they are fully transparent. They share third-party lab reports on their site, and they also are just really caring and thoughtful when it comes to their products and also their consumer, which is what you want in a CBD company. So if you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the podcast audience. Just go to www.helloned.com slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E, or enter blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order, plus free shipping. That's helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order, plus free shipping. I'm so curious, like, because I'm going back to school now. I mean, I never finished undergrad because I was a raging alcoholic and addict. So um, I'm proud of you, girlfriend. Thank you. That's kind of my first school when they're young, don't know what they want to do anyways. So you maybe save yourself a little, (laughs) a little flip flopping anyways. Exactly. I mean, I would have probably wanted to go into like a fashion PR or something, like something that's totally not interesting to me now. Um, So, you know, now I am considering like a dietitian, you know, maybe medical school because I don't want to have kids. You know, I kind of, I have the freedom of like not having that be something that's weighing on my decision. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of math and science to catch up on and everything. So I'm, I'm really interested, but it is like, I feel like there are a lot of knowledgeable people who don't have an MD or an RD, but it is kind of like you you have to like prove yourself over and over and over again because those <laughs> totally. letters are very validating and they're, but you know, conversely, like there are also so many like certifications, not like what you've done, but you know, nutrition certification, five hours and you're a quote unquote nutritionist. So like people have to be really careful that the person that they're working with is actually qualified. Yeah. Well, I mean, so for me, I wanted to cherry pick classes. So Mm -hmm. I did a certified clinical nutritionist and I was able to pick classes from UCLA and from UC Berkeley online, obviously living in LA couldn't go, mm-hmm. couldn't go to campus. Um, but classes from Berkeley online, I took a couple of my undergrad sciences that I needed to like, I had, I'm old, so they, 
the classes that I had taken at USC, some of them had expired timeline wise. And then I got to cherry pick my nutrition classes too. So the interesting thing is, is you have a little bit of basis of understanding, then you can start to make and decipher between instructors and what they're pulling from the book and what is interesting and the studies that are referenced in the book. Um, and I think that is, that is key. So I've said this again on probably other podcasts, but nutrition 101 at UCLA, it took me like, it was like my third try before I like the teacher resonated with me and wasn't talking about plant sterols and margarine lowering cholesterol, you know? So (laughs) it's, you got to really think about like a lot of the nutrition, the textbooks that are coming out of publishers are based on the my plate now you know and it's like I have heard that because I know RDs who are like yeah it's pretty like antiquated information you're learning yeah and if they're not saying that it is it's because they're defending that degree and it's like you have to look at nutritionists who do clinical work who work with a functional MD like I'm pregnant I have eight weeks left. I interviewed Lily Nichols. I think you should interview Lily Nichols for your podcast if you haven't. I know you're not going to ever be pregnant, but like this is someone who is an RD and literally worked in private practice with a functional OBGYN, specifically with women who get gestational diabetes and was like every single one of the recommendations for pregnant women is completely false. And we haven't updated these recommendations and this is why it's wrong. And this is why it's perpetuating disease. And this is why it's backed by big, you know, big business. And this is, you know, like you have to kind of look for the people who are still doing the work. You can't just get the letters and stop doing the work. And that's like, that's the interesting thing is like, when you're getting the letters, are you learning to do the work? Are you learning to read the studies? Are you learning how to do like Google alerts to your email email inbox that is giving you the alerts on the things you're interested in? For me, it's like metabolic syndrome. It's female um, disease states like polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis. I'm looking for like, I have alerts now for pregnancy. Like, there are just things that I get really interested in and I'm like, send me these studies and Google Scholar and PubMed sends me the studies and I'm able to look at them. Like if they don't, mm-hmm. if they go to two years of school and graduate and don't know how to do that, but they can tell you like calories per gram of fat, like great. Right. <laughs> but like, how are we helping people in a holistic way? And, you know, to this day, like I said, there's like a very in- insecure part of me that I know people will go like, yeah, but she's not an MD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but she's not. Yeah, but, and it's true. Like I'm going to need to prove myself over and over and over again. And it's like a little bit annoying, a little bit, but, but it also like, I don't fall back on my laurels and go like, I have letters. (laughs) I have to like continually come out with good stuff. What I think is really interesting is that there are, people who can go back to, and just say like, Hey, I'm young. I went to school or I'm not having kids. I went to school for undergrad. I'm getting my RD. I'm going to go into functional, become a functional nutritionist or functional dietitian. I'm going to go start to work with a functional MD and work with a functional MD. I'm going to start to learn the blood tests. I'm going to be able to make recommendations based on diagnostic testing that's coming back. And I'm working with you 
from a holistic approach. Someone who's doing that um, with some high level executives is uh, my friend Bridget, who I, you know, being Bridget is her handle. I interviewed her on my podcast. Like she's an example of another RD, which I'm like, so much respect for you and what you're doing and how you're how you're sharing information because it's really, you know, the hard part is, is when you are with an association or you do, you do have a certain level of, or like responsibility to fall in line. Right. And that's hard. So, so it's a catch 22. Like I'm sure if I had gone back to become an RD, like right after school and didn't spend eight years in industry, I would probably be more really defensive of it. Like it was a great learning opportunity. You know, I think you can see both sides of the coin. And I think there are definitely nutritionists and health coaches and different types of certifications, you know, from an herbalist to an acupuncturist that do exactly the same thing. They go get their like cert and then they don't do the work. Since we're talking about all things nutrition and wellness, I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite life hacks, Saqqara. This time of year is so hectic, even or maybe especially in 2020. And instead of ordering Postmates 24-7, Saqqara is coming through with the delicious, nutritious meals. So Saqqara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what we eat. They have organic, ready-to-eat meals made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and the menu is crafted by chefs weekly, so you'll never get bored. They have breakfast, lunch, and dinner all made with ingredients designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. This week, I am doing the superfood mac and cheese. I mean, hello. I'm doing the acorn squash with mushroom stuffing, perfect for this time of year banana bread, tomato bisque. I mean, it all looks amazing. And along with delicious meals, Saqqara also has daily wellness essentials and herbal teas to support your nutrition. To boost results, you can try the best-selling Metabolism Super Powder. It's an all-natural remedy for bloating and fatigue. It's amazing. And you also have to try their bars if you haven't yet. They are my favorite. So for a limited time, Saqqara is granting you early access to their only sale of the year with 25% off site-wide with the code BLONDEARLYACCESS. That is 25% off your entire order site-wide when you go to saqqara.com, S-A-K-A-R-A.com and enter code BLONDEARLYACCESS. That is B-L-O-N-D-E-A-R-L-Y-A-C-C-E-S-S, Blonde Early Access for 25% off site-wide. I'm thinking of a few people who I know who have masters in nutrition who have said, looking back, they wish that they had done an RD, not because of what they learned, but because of how it validates you in other people's eyes, which is kind of too bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's, uh, that's, I mean, if I haven't alluded to that, that's sort of like how I would say that I feel like it's, and I'm sure there's a part of you who, you know, you didn't finish your undergrad and you were having a hard time with, um, 
you know, maturing or getting, you know, addicted to substance and, and that's a, a really hard road. And like, you've made a massive recovery and you've like dedicated your life to wellness and you're, I'm sure looking at your past going like, I need to go back to school. Like I need to do this for me because I need to prove it to the world, but prove it to myself. And at a certain point you, it's all about us. It shouldn't be about other people anymore. It should be like, is this affecting you? Cause there yeah. were definitely times when it was affecting me, like where I wouldn't share as much or I'd get in this, like I'd get in this loop of, I want to prove to people that I know what I'm talking about. And I want to share study after study, after study, after study, or be controversial or like, I'm not mm-hmm. controversial in like a, in a bad way, but like, I do have this memory of sharing my first ketogenic article with Birdie, um, which is like, you know, a who, what, where Birdie, my domain was like a click media, you know, it's like their, their blogs mm-hmm. back in 2014. And it was back when we were looking at like the ketogenic diet being supportive of, you know, preventing seizures and for brain injury and for, you know, inflammation and for all of these things. And I just like wrote this very, I should have known better, but I wrote this article and this is back when they would share their articles on Facebook. And it was like, so scary. The comments like, get a real RD. I'm a nurse. This is absolutely like so dangerous and irresponsible. And it's like, no one back then knew that there was a, such a thing as nutritional ketosis versus ketoacidosis. They just figured that like, if I'm talking to be about ketosis, this is like a dangerous state that happens to diabetics when they have elevated blood sugar and elevated ketone levels. That is really dangerous. Like Mm -hmm. that is a really dangerous state, but I'm telling you like in the absence of carbohydrates, like a ketogenic state can be all of the following. And, you know, like I went into that, I want to say like chat room, (laughs) not (laughs) chat room. I went into that chat and was like sharing study after study and like trying to defend myself. I remember crying my eyes out to Chris being like, I'm just going to start sharing uh, smoothie recipes again. And, and I'm just like, I can't really handle this like backlash, you know? And then you get that guts again and you share something else. And I'm like sharing some studies on estrogenic effects of soy in certain genetic populations on chalkboard magazine. And the same thing happens. It's like, get yourself a real RD, blah, blah, blah. And so like, I know if I had those letters, then I would say I am. And you can basically like pound sand instead of feeling right. the need to be like, well, here are the 35 studies that I used to reference when I was in breast cancer <laughs> in the last like 10 you years. Have to do so much extra work <laughs> to improve yourself. That's so frustrating. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's humbling and it asks of you to believe in yourself and to do the work and to like put your big girl pants on every once in a while. And then it's sort of like whack-a-mole. You get whacked down and you wait a minute and you pop back up. (laughs) So, Especially now, right? I mean, that was what, 2014, you said? I can only imagine because of just the climate of everything right now. I mean, it seems like if you post a carrot, you get people saying carrots are bad. And if you post a tomato, you you can't do anything right. I get the weirdest. I'm sure you get it more because, you know, you, you do post like informational stuff and people tend to be really opinionated about that. Um, but like, 
yeah, I get the weirdest backlash about the the most random things. I'm like, ooh, okay. It's tough. It's tough to navigate right now. It is. It is. And I think it totally depends on the day. Like I'm pretty, because I've been doing this for so long, um, you know, I, I'm pretty even keeled and mellow when someone who I know is trying to rally me, like, um, you know, rile me is leaving a comment or DMing me or telling me whatever, you know? And, and then there are certain days where I'm like, hi, my son woke up at 4:45 and didn't go back to sleep. I just heard from my protein powder producer that we have a worldwide vanilla organic vanilla powder shortage. I just, you know, like it, it can be the perfect storm. And then someone right. can say something that like, you're like, I feel like crying. <laughs> I feel like crying and also yelling at you in comments back because I think that it's just, you know, it's it, it. And that's why cultivating like a wellness practice on your own, I think is so important. It, it's that silly saying or that, you know, the beginning of it's the, it's the safety recommendations on any flight you take. It's like you put your air ma- your oxygen mask on before you put anyone else's on. And to really like be able to help people, you have to help yourself. And I'm human. There are times when I'm burning the candle at both ends and the way that I want to take care of myself isn't as strong as I want it to be. It isn't as really like that foundational start to my day. And I need to, I need to rebalance. And I think that that's really interesting too, because I think people think like, oh, well, you just create balance. I'm like, no, balance is this constant dance that we're like all trying to achieve over and over and over and over again. And like little habits make it easier or, you know, little things getting excited about something and then just not having to put out the effort to do it, but really just loving it really helps to do that too. And setting up your environment in a certain way. And I know um, people have probably read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, but a lot of what I use with my clients and a lot of the fab four and a lot of like the practices that I use, I read his book and I kept being like, yes, I use that with clients. It's like little things. We can get into the science all day long, but it's like, if they're going to their favorite coffee shop and they end up getting a pumpkin spice latte and the pumpkin, you know, cinnamon maple scone, and then they tell themselves, I'm not going to get that next time. I'm not going to get that next time, but they keep like torturing themselves by driving there and failing. It's like, let's just pick a new coffee shop for six weeks. And then when you're feeling like, oh, I have a little bit more control over that, or I'm, you know, today's the day I'm going to go and like order my little like almond milk cappuccino instead and, and create a new habit. It sometimes it takes a minute to step away and come back into it. And so it's like, those are the kind of things I think that really support people to find happiness and not stress out. And, you know, I think there's a lot of fear mongering and a lot of, a lot of like really big goals, like here, let's write out 50 things we're going to do today. And like, this is my exact perfect day and perfect plan. And it's, it's like, you gotta be, you gotta be a little bit more fluid. Yeah. I love that. And I love that. I love what you said in the beginning, that balance is never really like achieved. It's constantly, it's like a constant state of change. And like, you know, I'm thinking what did, what worked for me yesterday did not work for me today. (laughs) And it's, you know, it's going to be different tomorrow. So let's talk about nutrition and the fab four and your, your kind of food philosophy. 
Yeah. So I'm a glass half full person. I, I kind of think my dial is set that way. I've been that way a, a bit of my whole life. Uh, it's been <laughs> something that at certain points has been like a slap in the face. Like, oh, I just thought everything was going to work out <laughs> and it doesn't. But I would say uh, when it comes to nutrition, you know, having a history of reading a bunch of diet books and loving all my nutrition courses and like really trying to sort of see the the overall arching themes and to really simplify the science. Not only was it something that I love to do, it was very much a part of my career in the first eight years that I worked in cancer and genetics. Because when you think about a limited amount of time with someone to explain a topic, you need analogies, you need studies, you need to be able to say, this is technically what's happening in your body. And if you can remember that, then you can make choices to support that. And so the Fab Four came out of the work. I think a lot of, um, you know, young nutritionists, dietitians, like health coaches will ask that question of like, how did you develop the fab for it's like, well, I didn't just like put up a website and go like, what's my shtick? (laughs) You know, it was sort of like, what are people missing? What is the research telling us? And I really loved a course at UCLA called food, mood and behavior. It was one of one of my favorites. And as you know, um, USC, what my favorite class was nature of human health and disease. And I had done my thesis on diabetes. So I really had always loved blood sugar but I also really was interested in satiety because I was coming out of the age of like calories being everything and people being like, you know, diet, Italian dressing and, you know, don't have fat and all of these things. And when you look at the the research around like balancing blood sugar, supporting blood sugar balance, satiety, hormones, um, fats integrating into cell membranes, all of that was really interesting to me. And I was like, wait, like, how can I, how can I give people like a short hit list that is like, these are the things that not only satisfy your hunger hormones and make you feel the best, like emotionally and mentally, but also really support blood sugar balance to the best that it can. And you could really be any diet or lifestyle. I looked at those things and I said, research tells us that we need protein. We need essential amino acids from our food. So that's really important to me, whether someone's vegan or vegetarian paleo, keto, whatever. Essential fatty acids is the same thing. You have to get your like omega-3s people talk about all the time or, you know, your omegas from your food. And that's something we need, like we need to eat those to get them. Our body does not synthesize them on their own. We have to create them. And then for me, the fiber and greens piece was really phytochemicals, fiber, water, like the ways to feed your microbiome, the ways to stay full because certain hunger hormones like ghrelin really are affected by the stretching of our stomach. Take yourself back to like 2010 and like 2009 to 2012 was really like me being like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to, you know, really, I'm going to start really helping people. I'm going to start my practice. And, you know, the official start of my practice was like 2012, but when I was thinking about it, it was like, I started working with clients and someone may just, you know, have a juice or some client may be under eating protein and then was hungry an hour later. And so I started to kind of see these themes pop up with clients. And I was like, you know what, let's just use this little short list. I want you to look for your, on your plate for a source of protein, a source of fat, because you, you have to get that from your food plus they're really satisfying and they support blood sugar balance. And then I really want you to eat like veggies that have fiber in them, that have water in them, that have phytochemicals in them that are like supportive of digestion and 
filling you up and stretching your stomach to make you feel calm and just focus on those four things. And in the very beginning, it was very general. It wasn't like, I want you to get 20 grams of protein. I'm looking for a couple of tablespoons of fat. I want two to four cups of veggies. Like it was really more just like it is a checklist. And it's still to this day is a checklist for me. I think so many of my clients and so many of the people that have read my books and found success with the fab four for them, because it isn't about perfection, but more about what you're putting on your plate to crowd out what maybe shouldn't be on your plate, or even just putting things on your plate so you don't feel bad about, you know, what is also ending up on your plate. But um, even for me to this day, it's like, I'm looking at those things and I generally know where I'd like want things to be, but sometimes it's like a, a cup of broccoli and Bash and I are having chicken and broccoli with some pesto for lunch. And it's like, I'm like, Oh, I didn't get that a full two cups or, you know, it's like, I'm not as much of a stickler as I think some people really want rules. And I just was like really anti-rules. I was so burnt out by the number, like I said, of diet books that I had read or things that I had tried to follow or, um, recommendations, podcasts I had listened to. And I was just kind of just like, like we just need to simplify this because we're all in fear. We're all trying to follow things and diets that are not our own. We can't make it our own. You can't decide today that you want to be plant-based and tomorrow that you want to be meat-based. We identify with these diets like they're our religion. And that makes it very hard to extricate ourselves from our beliefs. It's been for me, like the Fab Four was what I needed. And it, it came out of the work. And I, I want to say it was accidental. It just sort of the more I read and the more I learned, I was like, wait, like, what if we just gave people a checklist? So instead of getting up from a restaurant with their friends and feeling guilty that they had a piece of the flatbread and a sip of wine, they can get up and say like, I had the Mary's roast chicken and that Brussels sprout dish and I hit my fab four and I feel great. Right. And like, not focused on the stuff that's going to make them feel shame and guilt and spiral them into their next cleanse or restriction. Because like, I say over and over and over again, like I just, the clients that do the best, I'm telling you, I've worked with some people since 2012 and the clients that maintain their weight, feel the best, don't feel these knee jerk reactions to yo-yo diet are the ones who can get consistent and they focus on the positive, the little wins. They have habits that help them get there. Do they drink a Fab Four smoothie every day? No. I mean, they've had months where they they didn't, or maybe they tried a little intermittent fasting, but they just had that general, like light structure of, okay, my body needs these things. And this is how I'm going to get it from Mm -hmm. plants or animals or a mix of both. Right. Yeah. That was going to be my next question was (laughs) what is the quality that you see them, you know, the most consistently in your most successful clients, but it makes sense that that would be it because I think it's been proven over and over again that anything, you know, slow and steady wins the race, right? Like anything fast. I had a nutritionist on a few weeks ago and she was like, fast and slick, like is sexy, I guess, or I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but she was saying the same kind of thing. You know, it's like to have any kind of sustainable result, sustainable lifestyle, you know, it has to be positive you know, nothing good comes out of like punishing yourself and rules. And I, you know, I really agree with what you were saying about people identifying with their whole being to these diets, you know, and that does make it really hard for them to deviate from that. I think there's a really hard, it's really hard to listen to and check in with yourself when you identify so strongly with something. 
and it's hard. Like it just, you need to have flexibility. And I also think sometimes it's just not about the food. Like it really, I think we look at food as an easy dial that we can control. It's an easy thing that we can fall back on and create some stability, some control and some structure in our life. And when that structure makes us feel safe, then it's easier to identify with it. And a lot of times when I sit down with clients, I can look at like what I ask them to do is like list out their goals, like top three, top five max. But like, why are we talking? Like, why are you here? And then it's like, can you put me in your body? I want to do day in the life of you. Do you set an alarm? Do you not set an alarm? You know, sometimes people are like, well, the weekends are so different than the weekday. Fine. Give me both days. Put me in your body. I just want to be you. Like, I want to know what it feels like. I want to know what the day looks like. I want to, you know, and what ends up happening is a lot of times we'll get to this point where there seems to be some emotion, like emotional charge with something. And I joke that I'm like, I'm not woo. Like I'm really more science-based, but there is a part of me that like, sometimes it's a shitty boss, a bad relationship, a trauma, you know, something that is like unhealed that is causing this, this obsession with food and control. And when we can pull ourselves out of it, you know, if it's a job that's making you really stressed and you can't stop eating processed foods, is it the fact that you don't, you're not a good person and you can't control your eating behaviors? Or is it actually because the stress that you feel in the job that you've chosen, there's some misalignment there. And maybe we need to consider what other types of careers there are for you, even thinking like that is so scary or, but like the iterations of how your life could be different to create this life of wellness without having to white knuckle force it. And I think that's really a part of like my practice with working with clients and just sharing online. And in my books is like having grace with yourself, but then also realizing the situation that you're in, whether it's perpetuating these behaviors. And if we need to look outside of the food. Mm -hmm. When I was about a year sober, I started having really bad gut issues. And I think that, you know, I'm still dealing with some of them kind of sporadically. I think I did a lot of damage to my body, obviously, when I was using drugs and alcohol and I was, you know, bulimic and all these different things. But I started dealing with gut issues and anxiety and um, other like physical manifestations. And I was going to all these doctors and I couldn't really figure it out. And I was in a relationship, like a long relationship at that time. And it was not the right relationship for me anymore because I was sober and, you know, this person wasn't nothing bad about him, but like we just weren't. And I was so out of alignment and I'm not woo woo either. But when I terminated that relationship, like 99% of that other stuff went away. (laughs) There's so much to be said for, you know, kind of... I don't know what other word to use, like living, living authentically, like recognizing where you can make changes and, and doing so. Yeah. And a lot of those changes are scary and they come with heartbreak and they come with like moving through those things. And, but that's like the perfect example of coming to grips with your evolution and realizing that like you aren't a 
caterpillar anymore. Now you're this beautiful butterfly and you kind of need to fly and you want to hold on to that past life, but you also need to, you need to be respectful of yourself and, and what your aspirations, your goals, your, you, what you really want your lifestyle to be. Because when we do look at research and we do look at how people live their life, it is so highly influenced by the people around them. Like who's your spouse? Who are your friends? How can you change in an environment where 90% of the people you surround yourself with want to drink on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night? They want to stay out at the, you know, at a restaurant and do happy hours and and it's not it's not balanced. Like people want community, they want friendships, they want love like more than they want mostly anything because that's the human experience. And so it is really like, that's some of the most difficult things for me to work through with people is when there is this misalignment or when the people in the community that they surround themselves with aren't open to change. Like I am really lucky that, and I think a lot of us are that looking back and being in college in the early two thousands and then, you know, being in my twenties and having people are like, I love to dance. Like I would dance at a club sober. Like I love to dance and like used to love to go out and like stay up late. And as you like start to get older and you're like, this doesn't really align with me anymore. The same people that I used to have dinner parties with late or want to go dancing with on a Friday or a Saturday night are the same people now today that are like, Hey, let's meet at Pilates on Sunday morning at 9am, you know, and I'm really thankful for everyone's evolution. And I think that really takes people in their friend groups, being accepting of other people's behaviors, but also being that like leader and really trying to like share the health and get people excited and be the person that brings the, the funky, weird, healthy brownies to the party. And is like, yeah, you can have black beans in your brownies if you want. Like, you know, I just think of like all of those all of those little things that start to like tentacles, like reach their way into your friend group or your family. And like, sometimes the alignment just doesn't work. And I've definitely had experiences working with clients for a few years, having some massive transformations in how they feel, how they look, how they show up at work, and then getting the call or the text that like, they're getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. And you're like, am I responsible for this? Like, (laughs) You know, there is a little bit of guilt and a little bit of, but it is, it's part of life and like, Mm -hmm. it is part of evolution. And I think how we approach those types of conscious uncouplings or the pain and like working through it, we have to find like the, the therapies that work best for us to move through that stuff. But yeah, it's wellness. Isn't just the food you eat. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I'm thinking back to that situation, but also other like I'm I'm so sensitive, which is kind of a blessing and a curse, but my body responds so much to any kind of like emotional turmoil and um I'm thinking of other times when I've like had physical manifestations of emotional stuff and like I can look back on it now and and see how like I was desperately trying to attribute it to food or hormones or whatever, you know, and it's like, so I'm supplementing and like green juicing my way through it. (laughs) You know, it's like, there's no amount of like green juice that can get you through something, you know, when it's emotional, like you just have to, you have to like do the work to identify it and work through it. So I want to kind of go back to nutrition 
a little bit because I got questions from people and a lot of them were kind of similar, but a lot of people want to know about sugar. So obviously you're big on, you know, controlling blood or balancing blood sugar. Is there any sugar that's better than another? Is coconut sugar, maple syrup, honey, whatever, better than cane sugar? Are sugar alternatives like, you know, monk fruit or, or stevia, are they okay? Or what are, what's your opinion on that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's just like talk about sugar in general. So um, when you look at sucrose, which is sugar molecule, um, you are going to get one glucose and one fructose molecule. And like, that's like a white sugar, right? Mm-hmm. And so glucose will go into your bloodstream and elevate your blood sugar. And then fructose will be metabolized in your liver. And so when we look at different types of sugar, there are sugars that are higher in fructose and lower in glucose, meaning we're putting more, we're, we're doing more work on our liver and having less of a glycemic effect. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, those were really popular, like agave. Agave was so popular. Well, that's because it's more fructose than it is glucose. So you're not going to have that blood sugar spike and as much of a crash, but you're actually asking your liver to do some metabolism of that fructose. And it's actually one of the closest sugars to high fructose corn syrup. So uh, what I want to say is like, when it comes to science and research and what's popular, this is why doing the work and like continuing to understand how the story is evolving instead of having knee jerk reactions and like fear mongering and smearing smearing certain things like that's so bad for you. Like just, I always go back to the science, like what's really happening here? Why is this being told? Why is everyone being told it's good? Right. Why is everyone being told it's bad? And generally a lot of the sugars, whether that's like coconut sugar, cane sugar, maple syrup, honey, you're going to get generally like the same amount of glucose and fructose. And some are a little higher in fructose. Some are a little higher in glucose, but generally it's like, okay, an unrefined chemical free process is something that I think people should look for. Like um, a maple syrup, a honey, something that may come with more quote unquote nutrients, have more magnesium, does have antiviral properties. Um, you know, what, how is it produced and what's in it? Now I never look at sugar as a source of nutrients. I'm really not like you wouldn't look at it and be like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a tablespoon of maple syrup because I'm getting magnesium. It's like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> like let's not, let's not go there because we do want to understand that when it comes to your body, your body constantly wants to maintain what we call a home homeostasis mm-hmm. of your blood sugar. And we talked about like balance, right? I always think about blood sugar when I think about balance, because it's this symphony of hormones in reaction to in you know having a reaction to the things that we eat so we can eat something that spikes our blood sugar really high and then it's like a high pitch note and then we're our body responds with a massive flood of insulin and it brings our blood sugar down and then you know we might release so much insulin that we become hypoglycemic we get to a low blood sugar state we're a little shaky and irritable and then we eat and we bring ourselves back up But like certain foods, let's say it wasn't like a processed flour-based carbohydrate and instead we decided to have some blueberries. The effect of that blood sugar is more of like a mellow note. 
and it's easier for our body to respond because it's wrapped in fiber. The release of that sugar happens slower and the drop in blood sugar doesn't happen as aggressively because our liver or our pancreas didn't go like, oh my God, release all the insulin. So you start to see that like the vehicle in which we're eating our food matters, whole foods, cellular foods that matters. So my favorite form of sugar would come in a cellular carbohydrate, something like a sweet potato, berries, things like that. But I also grew up a Costco kid who ate like those poppy seed muffins for, I don't know how long, (laughs) you know, I also know that like, I want to live a life where I can have a brownie or I can have a cookie in my life. And I just want to make a healthier choice. So yes, a more unrefined process that doesn't require chemical extraction that doesn't have as much processing is, is better for you because it's, it's retaining nutrients, but it's not better for you because it still might spike your blood sugar just as high as cane sugar. So when you think about how is it affecting your blood sugar, they're all kind of refined in their own way. So when it comes to sugar, sugar, I would say, you know, organic coconut sugar, maple syrup, yukon syrup, honey, they're all just slight variations of one another. And I would say, try to source the highest quality in your budget of one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to things that are really high in fructose, like high fructose corn syrup and agave, I do worry about those elevating liver enzymes. I worry about those because what's so interesting about blood sugar is people like I'm the person who tells you that elevated blood sugar can be really hard on your body because, you know, pre-diabetes, PCOS, just the cravings that happen, the blood sugar roller coaster. Okay. 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 But you also have a liver and muscles that can take care of that really quickly. And if you're like, Hey, I do yoga and I feel like having, you know, a cookie, you have the cookie, your blood sugar spikes. It's insulin's released, you know, pancreas releases insulin, insulin supports blood sugar to be absorbed into your liver and your muscles. You go work out, you dump your muscles of stored sugar, done. Like not the end of the world. Like your body is so capable of managing so much of this. It's just, we don't want to ever overload it to the point where we have chronically elevated blood sugar and hyperinsulinemia and we have fatty liver. You know, the fact that like so many young children have fatty liver disease is heartbreaking to me. It's like the number of children that are being faced with these lifestyle diseases based on the amount of sugar they eat is is dangerous and it makes me upset. So that I'll segue into alternative sugars. So alternative sugars there are multiple options that you can, you know, different types of, of, of sugars, right? So you have alcohol sugars, the majority of alcohol sugars, they do not affect blood sugar. These are like in diabetic candies. They're now in a lot of keto products. They don't affect blood sugar. What they do do is they can ferment some of the bacteria in your gut. So I think when people think like, Oh, alcohol sugar, it's free. (laughs) Like it's not like it's having a little bit of an effect on your gut microbiome and you need to be aware of that. And I would always say like, if you feel like you're getting in the habit where you can't go a day without this X, Y, and Z like chocolate bar that has erythritol or xylitol in it, then we maybe want to consider, I don't know. We just want to look at, we want to look at 
maybe taking a break and like bringing it back in at a more balanced, like it's like the coffee shop thing, just take a break for a little bit and then bring it back in when you feel like you might have a little bit more balance with it, but it is an option. And it's definitely something that I use with clients. Like there are specific products like the good chocolate company or chalk zero and like certain things that I'm like, Hey, like every now and then you want like dark chocolate with almonds and sea salts, but you don't want the effect on blood sugar and you're not being super active right now and you're drinking wine, then like, yeah, I'd probably have you have this one over one that actually has an effect on your blood sugar. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, again, it goes back to like the client and what's kind of going on in their life where I would make specific recommendations. But when it comes to stevia and monk fruit, they've been used for a really long time. And Stevia, you have Reb A, Reb Reb B, which are like two chemical compounds in Stevia. And then you have like whole Stevia leaf, right? If you're getting Reb A and Reb B together and you're getting like the whole leaf, you're going to have less of that bitter aftertaste that you get with Stevia. So whenever you're using a Stevia product and you're like, I hate Stevia, it's so gross. Like if they're only using one derivative and they're getting that bitter aftertaste, they're probably paying less for it, making it a cheaper product. And you probably aren't going to love it, right? So I think... You know, it really comes down to personal preference. Monk fruit is going to give you more of like a sugary taste and less of a bitter taste. But again, it's mm-hmm. like back to the back to quality. I think some organic stevia drops or organic monk fruit drops into a coffee to me is a better option than a tablespoon of sugar or honey or maple syrup. Because what I see there is like a blood sugar spike and crash because it's a liquid it's being metabolized really fast. And then all of a sudden you're deciding that you're going to whip up some waffles or, you know, like it's, it's the reactions that happen later that I'm more, a little bit more concerned about. So when it comes to using a monk fruit or a stevia, like I just did my, I have a pregnancy course on nutrition that I launched and I was like trying to run some numbers on, you know, if someone just added like a tablespoon of sugar to their coffee every morning, it's like, that's like, over 3,500 grams of sugar over 40 weeks. And people don't really recognize like how it adds up. And so I'd much rather have someone use like a monk fruit or stevia, a couple drops. Like I said, the research is pretty, at this point is pretty sound. It's just like, Hey, you, it is not elevating blood sugar. It's not affecting the gut microbiome at this point. What is it doing? Well, it tastes like sweet. So this is something we need to recognize. Something tastes like sweet and we don't have the payoff at the end of actually getting the sugar. We may be increasing our cravings. And that is based on based on your personal experience to that and how are you being how are you responding to that? So my whole question with clients is I'll start to again look at their day. I love being like put in their body. And if I notice that they're like, well, I added stevia drops to my coffee and then my protein powder didn't taste sweet enough. So I added it to my smoothie and then I put it in my tea in the afternoon. And like, sometimes I make this like chocolate, cacao, avocado mousse at night with stevia. And then I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> like you're not, your body's never getting the payoff here. And then you're right. really loving it. And so I might say like, look, you need to take a break sis. Cause what can happen in, and they did this research in chemical sweeteners, like Splenda and sweet and low and stuff like equal that crap. Don't ever use that. Please don't ever use that. Like that research is just horrendous and you don't want to be using that stuff. No diet sodas, like make the swaps. There's awesome options on the market now, or at least better options on the market now. But when I see that, that the payoff's not happening and we look at the research from chemical sweeteners, we know that if people sit down to a diet Coke, 
and then their meal comes, they eat twice as much. And they really want that like satiety payoff of the carbohydrate, the salt, the sweet, the fat. They really are looking for that like dopamine hit and they end up eating more. So it's like, would it have just made sense for you to get like the Mexican cola if you really wanted to Coke every once in a while, had it with your meal, you're having a little fat, you're having a little protein. It's the small bottle. It's not like a 7-Eleven supersize me. And you aren't doing it all the time. Like that actually may have been a better option for you because then you wouldn't have eaten the whole basket of fries and, you know, ended up still wanting more after your meal. So it's, it's nuanced. And I think that's what makes it, that's what, why podcasting is so cool. Because for me to sit, think about sitting down and writing that article, I'm like, no, (laughs) that's a lot of work. Don't make me write that five paragraph essay, but it is, it's just the way it is. So like I would say, try to pick a clean source if you have it occasionally, meaning like that Mexican Coke or that like who style chocolate, like mm-hmm. good quality ingredients, even though it has real sugar in it. Or if you're like, I'm someone who needs it a little bit more often, but I'm not having stevia monk fruit or, or alcohol sugar 13 times a day. It's just like a once a day hit for me and I'm good. Then maybe you lean on that and you have that four or five days a week, not every day. Amazing. Well, I could talk to you forever. (laughs) We're we're at like an hour. Um, So let's see. Well, I like to close my podcasts by asking people, what is one thing you wish people would stop doing when it comes to their health? And what is one thing that you think people should start incorporating that they might not be doing? Yeah. Yeah this just came to mind for me. Something I wish people would stop doing is using a timeline or using time against their deadlines. Like Mm. I think so many times when I sit down with clients, what if time didn't exist? What if the days of week and the first of the month and the first of the year did not exist? And you just felt like, I'm just not feeling myself. Like I'm sort of feeling lethargic. I'm sort of feeling tired. I'm noticing that my eating habits are affecting me. And instead of saying like, I'm going to start tomorrow morning on a fresh, bright new day, or I'm going to start on Monday, if you stopped using time as an excuse and you started pretending that time didn't exist, what and how would you take care of yourself differently? It'd probably be mm-hmm. at your next panel. I love that. That's so, so good. That's like, that is just so much wasted time, I think. Um, and yeah. if people could do that, that would be amazing and get in the habit of doing that would be really cool. Um, and then when I love for people to start doing or adding would be, would be positivity tracking. So my editors at HarperCollins were like, we really want you to make a journal, a food journal, like people love the fab four. And I was like, okay, but like, you're going to follow my rules. And the rules are when any of my clients are food journaling, they journal the positive stuff. It's like, for example, this morning, I made a chocolate almond butter fat four smoothie with some fiber in it. And, you know, Bash had some of that. And then he also had some banana and almond butter because he gets real hungry real fast. And that's a really easy little like, here, stand up in your tower and start eating this while we make this smoothie together. And, you know, I think clients who read my book would be like, oh my God, she had, like, because I had a couple of his little peanut butter bananas. (laughs) And, um, and I think people would be like, she'd never do that. Like, 
and oh my God, I'm a bad person, you know? And so I think if you want to track your life or track the food, you need to create something that's going to create momentum in your life. And it's not that I'm saying like those bites didn't exist or it's that I'm not giving power to that. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the fab four as a way to be like, I feel really stoked on myself. It's like when you say I drink eight glasses of water, or when you say I worked out today or I journaled or I meditated, like if you want to add food journaling, food tracking, or like gratitude tracking to your life, like get in the habit of writing down like what is going well, because that's when you start to see it. And without even working with effort, you start to eat that way. You start to notice those positive things that you want to feel grateful for in your life. And you start adding more veggies to your plate. And it is really automatic and habitual instead of taking energy and life source from you that could be used, changing the world, celebrating an anniversary with your spouse, doing something fun with your kids. Like we just, we have bigger and better things to do. Yeah. I love that. Well, then I'm going to be proud of my cinnamon raisin bagel slathered in ghee this morning. <laughs> Yum. That sounds delicious. in New York. <laughs> it's so funny. I saw a funny video. Maybe it was on Diet Starts Tomorrow on their Instagram. And it was like breakfast in LA versus breakfast in New York. And it was, it was like so spot on. It was hilarious. That's amazing. Um, I need to go yeah, find it. The LA was like, Favorite. Like, oh, like kale. I can't even remember, but it was the most like LA thing you could imagine. And then the New York one was like, give me a bagel and I need it in like 30 seconds. I got to get out of here. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> so funny. When in New well, York. Yes. When in New York. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you so, so much for coming on. I hope everything with your family goes well. And I can't wait to chat on your podcast. So where can everybody find you? Yeah. So I'm socially on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Be Well by Kelly. And my podcast is at Be Well by Kelly. And we're doing a podcast swap. So I'm excited yeah. to hear your story as well. And I've written a couple of books. My whole book series is Body Love. So the first one was Body Love. The second one came out last year was Body Love Every Day. And then the Body Love Journal is being released in December. And um And if people hate books and podcasts, I have video courses online about nutrition throughout pregnancy and nutrition um, if you just are looking to understand blood sugar balance and inflammation and satiety hormones. Amazing. And you are hustling through your pregnancy. When are you due? (laughs) Uh, It's this little baby is a turkey. Thanksgiving coming, (laughs) coming like between Thanksgiving and the first Uh week of December. So, um, so yeah, it's it's crazy, but it's kind of what happens, I feel like, when you have a deadline and you want to take time for your family is just to make sure that everything yeah. sort of wrapped up. So so yeah, well, it's amazing. Exciting. I admire you so much and loved chatting. So thank you again. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. 
Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.